Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep. Quiet bedtime stories to help you fall asleep. This was a bit of a hard week for me. The UN climate change news that came out, the fires here in California, and the what seems now like weeks and weeks of extreme heat just wore me down a little. And I got a little anxious and sad. To start sorting it all out, I wrote about it a little bit in the blog this week, along with a story about how some advice from my great aunt helped me through my early 20s and still helps me today. You can read about it on the blog at listentosleep.com. There's a link in the show notes. So this week included some time just sitting with those feelings of sadness and anxiety, trying to find out what lessons might be there for me to learn. And to be honest, I'm still a little bit in the middle of it, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you are a big part of that light. I am so grateful for the opportunity to make this podcast every week. It can get me out of a funk. It can rouse me when I don't feel like doing anything. And it gives me a way to help other people that I've frankly never quite had before in my life. The support that I get from all of you makes my life better. And I really, really appreciate it. And I want to let you know how grateful I am. So at times like this, I try to remember that together, we can make a difference in each other's lives. There's something we can all do that will help someone else. And so much of what you do helps me. Your emails, messages of support, Patreon subscriptions, sharing the podcast with your friends. It all lifts my spirits, and I want to thank you so much for that. When I was feeling a little anxious yesterday, I decided to go out on the back porch and read some Walt Whitman. His writing is so beautiful, and he has a way of describing nature that makes it come alive with the words. So much of what he wrote in this part of Specimen Days is reminiscent of what it's like to be here. The creek, the birds, the crickets. So I decided to grab a mic and sitting out there on the porch with Bodie, you may hear him panting a little in the background because it was over a hundred degrees yesterday. I decided to read the story outdoors. Occasionally you can hear the wind chimes in the background a little. And I made this an extended episode where the sound of the crickets goes on for a while after I've stopped reading. Before we get to the story, I want to thank everyone who joined the Patreon this week. Leah, Kim, Megan, Nicole, Haley, Elizabeth, Tori, Rachel, and Bonnie. Thank you so much for your support. You can go to listentosleep.com to get more information on the Patreon or 
click the link in the show notes. It is a way to support the podcast for less than a dollar a month. And for that, you'll get the podcast a day earlier and without any ads or introduction, just straight to the meditation and into the story. If you'd like to get even more episodes, you can join Listen to Sleep Plus at the Patreon as well. And that includes the Wednesday night episodes of longer books that I read serially, one chapter a week. Right now, we're reading Peter Pan, and it is so good. And of course, if you want anything that's on the Patreon and you can't afford it, that is not a problem. Just let me know, and I will get you set up with a subscription for free for as long as you need it. Let's take a deep breath. In. And out. Letting go of the day. Feeling yourself sink down deep into the mattress. Letting the weight of gravity pull you down. Take another deep breath in with me. And out. There's nothing to do, nowhere to go. This is your time. Time to rest. Let's take one more deep breath in. And out. If you get tired while I'm reading to you, that's okay. Just let yourself drift off. Summer Sights and Indolencies June 10th As I write, 5.30 p.m. Here by the creek Nothing can exceed the quiet splendor and freshness around me We had a heavy shower With brief thunder and lightning In the middle of the day And since, overhead, one of those not uncommon yet indescribable skies in quality not details or forms of limpid blue with rolling silver fringed clouds and a pure dazzling sun for underlay trees in fullness of tender foliage liquid reedy Long-drawn notes of birds, based by the fretful mewing of a querulous catbird, and the pleasant, chippering shriek of two kingfishers. I have been watching the latter the last half hour, on their regular evening frolic, over and in the stream, evidently a spree of the liveliest kind. They pursue each other, whirling and wheeling around, with many a jocund downward dip, splashing the spray in jets of diamonds. And then off they swoop, with slanting wings and graceful flight. Sometimes, so near me, I can plainly see their dark gray feather bodies and milk-white necks. 
Sundown perfume. Quail notes. The hermit thrush. July 19th, 4 to 6.30 p.m. Sitting alone by the creek. Solitude here, but the scene quite bright and vivid enough. The sun shining and quite a fresh wind blowing. Some heavy showers last night. The grass and trees looking their best. The clear obscure of different greens, shadows, half-shadows, and the dappling glimpses of the water through recesses. The wild flagelle note of a quail nearby. The just-heard fretting of some hylas down in the pond. Crows cawing in the distance. A drove of young hogs rooting in the soft ground near the oak under which I sit. Some come sniffing near me and then scamper away with grunts and still the clear notes of the quail, the quiver of leaf shadows over the paper as I write, the sky aloft with white clouds and the sun well declining to the west, the swift darting of many sand swallows coming and going, their holes in a neighboring marl bank, the odor of the cedar and oak so palpable. As evening approaches, perfume, color, the bronze and gold of nearly ripened wheat, clover fields with honey scent, the well-up maize with long and rustling leaves, the great patches of thriving potatoes, dusky green, flecked all over with white blossoms. The old, warty, venerable oak above me, and ever mixed with the dual notes of the quail, the soughing of the wind through some nearby pines. As I rise for return, I linger long to a delicious song epilogue. Or is it the hermit thrush? For some bushy recess off there in the swamp, repeated leisurely and pensively over and over again. This, to the circle gambols of swallows flying by dozens in the concentric rings in the last rays of sunset, like flashes of some airy wheel. A July Afternoon by the Pond The fervent heat, but so much more endurable in this pure air. The white and pink pond blossoms with great heart-shaped leaves. The glassy waters of the creek. The banks with dense bushery. And the picturesque beaches and shade and turf. The tremulous reedy call of some bird from recesses, breaking the warm, indolent, half-voluptuous silence. An occasional wasp, hornet, 
honeybee, or bumble. They hover near my hands or face, yet annoy me not, nor I them, as they appear to examine, find nothing, and away they go. The vast space of the sky overhead so clear, and the buzzard up there sailing his slow whirl in majestic spirals and disks, just over the surface of the pond, two large slate-colored dragonflies with wings of lace, circling and darting, and occasionally balancing themselves quite still, their wings quivering all the time. Are they not showing off for my amusement? The pond itself, with the sword-shaped calamus, and the water snakes, occasionally a flitting blackbird, with red dabs on his shoulders as he darts slantingly by. The sounds that bring out the solitude, warmth, light, and shade. The quawk of some pond duck. The crickets and the grasshoppers are mute in the noon heat, but I hear the song of the first cicadas. Then, at some distance, the rattle and whir of a reaping machine, as the horses draw it on a rapid walk through a rye field on the opposite side of the creek. What was the yellow or light brown bird, large as a young man, with short neck and long stretched legs I just saw, in flapping an awkward flight over there, through the trees. The prevailing delicate, yet palpable, spicy, grassy, clovery perfume to my nostrils. And over all, encircling all, to my sight and soul, the free space of the sky, transparent and blue, and hovering there in the west, a mass of white, gray, fleecy clouds the sailors call shoals of mackerel. The sky with silver swirls like locks of tossed hair, spreading, expanding, a vast, voiceless, formless simulacrum, yet maybe the most real reality and formulator of everything. Who knows? Locusts and Katie Dids. August 22nd. Reedy monotones of locust, or sounds of Katie Did. I hear the latter at night, and the other both day and night. I thought the morning and evening warble of birds delightful but I find I can listen to these strange insects with just as much pleasure. A single locust is now heard near noon from a tree two hundred feet off. As I write, a long whirring continued, quite loud grated in distinct whirls, or swinging circles 
increasing in strength and rapidity up to a certain point, and then fluttering, quietly tapering fall. Each strain is continued from one to two minutes. The locust song is very appropriate to the scene. Gushes has meaning, is masculine, is like some fine old wine. Not sweet, but far better than sweet. The Katie did. How shall I describe its piquant utterances? One sings from a willow tree just outside my open bedroom window, twenty yards distant. Every night for a fortnight past has soothed me to sleep. I rode through a piece of woods for a hundred rods the other evening and heard the katydids by myriads. Very curious for once. But I like better my single neighbor on the tree. Let me say more about the song of the locust, even to repetition. A long, chromatic, tremulous crescendo like a brass disc whirling round and round, emitting wave after wave of notes, beginning with a certain moderate beat or measure, rapidly increasing in speed and emphasis, reaching a point of great energy and significance, and then quickly and gracefully dropping down and out. Not the melody of the singing bird, far from it. The common musician might think without melody, but surely having the finer ear a harmony of its own. Monotonous, but what a swing there is in that brassy drone, round and round, cymbeline, or like the whirling of brass quats. The lesson of a tree September 1st. I should not take either the biggest or the most picturesque tree to illustrate it. Here is one of my favorites now before me. A fine yellow poplar, quite straight, perhaps 90 feet high, and four thick at the butt. How strong, vital, enduring, how dumbly eloquent. What suggestions of imperturbability and being as against the human trait of mere seeming. Then the qualities, almost emotional, palpably artistic, heroic of a tree, so innocent and harmless, yet so savage. It is, yet says nothing. How it rebukes by its tough and equable serenity all weathers. This gusty-tempered little whiffet, man, that runs indoors at a might of rain or snow. Science, or rather halfway science, scoffs at reminiscence of dryad and hamadryad and of trees speaking. But if they don't, they do as well as most speaking, writing, poetry, sermons, 
or rather, they do a great deal better. I should say, indeed, that those old dryad reminiscences are quite as true as any, and profounder than most reminiscences we get. Cut this out, as the quack mediciners say, and keep by you. Go and sit in a grove or woods with one or more of those voiceless companions and read the foregoing and think. One lesson from affiliating a tree. Perhaps the greatest moral lesson, anyhow, from the earth, rocks, animals, is that same lesson of inherency, of what is, without the least regard to what the looker-on, the critic, supposes or says, or whether he likes or dislikes. What worse, what more general malady pervades each and all of us, our literature, education, attitude toward each other, even toward ourselves, than a morbid trouble about seems, generally, temporarily, seems to, and no trouble at all, or hardly any, about the sane, slow-growing, perennial, real parts of character, books, friendship, marriage, humanity's invisible foundations and hold together, as the all-basis, the nerve, the great sympathetic, the plenum within humanity, giving stamp to everything, is necessarily invisible. August 4th, 6 p.m. Lights and shades and rare effects on tree foliage and grass. Transparent greens, grays, etc., all in summer pomp and dazzle. The clear beams are now thrown in many new places on the quilted, seamed, bronze drab lower tree trunks, shadowed except at this hour, now flooding their young and old columnar ruggedness with strong light, unfolding to my sense new amazing features of silent, shaggy charm, the solid bark, the expression of harmless impassiveness, with many a bulge and gnarl unwrecked before. In the revealings of such light, such exceptional hour, such mood, one does not wonder at the old story fables. Indeed, why fables? Of people falling into lovesickness with trees, seized ecstatic with the mystic realism of the resistless silent strength in them. Strength which, after all, is perhaps the last, completest, highest beauty.